0: If you brought a Bible, please go with me to the book of Ezra, the third chapter of the book of Ezra. We're going to read a few verses out of this third chapter, Ezra chapter 3. Ezra is in the Old Testament, just a couple of pages before the book of Job. You'll find the book of Ezra. Right after first, uh, Second Chronicles, I'll give you a moment to find it. you ever had to fake it, just act like you found it. I'm going to give you time this morning so you don't have to fake it. Is that all right? Somebody said fake it till you make it. We began a series of sermons last Sunday called First, and we talked about the importance of God first, and the Bible says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all the other things will be added unto us. And we said that the first thing we have to build is an altar, and we see that pattern continued in this passage, Ezra chapter 3, verse 2, have you found it? Alright, it says, then Yeshua son of Zodek and his brothers the priest and Zerubbabel son of Shatleel and his sons arose and built an altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they set up the altar upon its foundations for they were terrified because of the people of the land. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they celebrated the Feast of Booths, as it is written, and offered the fixed number of burnt offerings daily, according to the ordinance, as each day required. And afterward, there was a continual burnt offering, also for the new moons and the fixed festivals of the Lord that were consecrated, and everyone who offered a freewill offering to the Lord. On the first day of the sixth month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and food and drink and oil of the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the permission they had from Cyrus the king of Persia. Verse 10. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals symbols, to praise the Lord according to the direction of the King David of Israel. And they sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your house of prayer. I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would cause us to be conscious of what is your will for our lives. We pray that as we come to this subject of first, that it would be clear in every one of our hearts that Christ must be first, and that in putting him first, we can find true blessing and stability. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word they might receive it as a seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Last week we talked about building an altar first. And what an important truth we found in the fact that when you have a new beginning, it is important to build an altar first. An altar is a place of worship, it is a place of meeting and communion with God. The people of God should be a people of an altar. And when you and I come and make a dedication of our heart to God, we come into a culture of the kingdom of God which is a culture of an altar. There's a little bit of feedback on this, please. The altar is the centerpiece of the Bible. Jesus Christ offered Himself on an altar that you and I call the cross. And so the altar is the centerpiece of the Christian life. A man of faith named Abram was a builder of altars. And we see here in the book of Ezra that the people of God had been in exile for 70 years. They had been in a a place of of, uh, separation from the land which God had given them because of their sin. They They were taken out of the land which God had given them and they were taken to Babylon. And during that time, the temple that Solomon had built was destroyed. and There was a great spiritual famine in the nation of Israel, a great spiritual crisis. And as God promised, He said, this... This exile won't be forever. It's going to last for 70 years. And When the 70 years were over, God moved upon the heart of a pagan king named Cyrus to give the people of Israel permission to return to the city of Jerusalem and to the land of Israel. And when they returned, the first thing they did, we read this morning, they built an altar. It was a time of new beginnings, and they built an altar. It was a time for a fresh start, like the beginning of a new year. You and I at the beginning of 2016, it's a time for a clean slate. But first, let us build an altar, a place of adoration and commitment to God. I shared with you last week that an altar will alter your life. When you come to God and you submit to Him, it will change the way you live. It will alter your life. No sacrifice ever walked away from an altar. An altar was a place of dying, a place where the will of the sacrifice was lost in the will of God. So it is when you and I come, as Romans chapter 12 tells us, and we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, that our will gets lost in the will of God. Now that they had built an altar, the Bible says they did another thing. They began to build the foundation of the house of God. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Tell your neighbor, build a foundation. Tell your neighbor, stay grounded. This morning, we're going to talk about staying grounded. We are in a world of instability. There is constant change. And yet, last year, at the end of the year, the Lord spoke to us and He said, I will make 2016 a peg in a firm place. I will give my people stability in the midst of trouble. How many of you received that word? That was a few weeks ago. And God is, is concerned about His fulfillment of His promise to our lives. God wants to bring stability into your life. He wants to bring stability into your marriage. Stability into your relationships. Stability into your finances. He wants to bring stability into your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Some of you live with constant instability. So, so constant is the instability in your life that when things get stable, you panic. You think something must be wrong. And you have learned and you become accustomed to instability. But God wants His people to live in stability. To have an established and steadfast faith. The Bible says, be grounded in the faith. There is a stability that comes as you and I get our root system deep down into our faith. Some people are like a tumbleweed. They have no root system. And the slightest wind will cause them to roll all over the wilderness. Back and forth without any home and without any roots. But you and I, friend, are not so. For the Bible says that blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly must sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates upon it day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted not near a river or a stream of water, whose uh, whose leaves are always green, who is gives his fruit in his season, and uh, who whatever he does will prosper. Does that sound like something you would like in your life? To have a fruitful life? Listen to the categories here. He says, a blessed man will be a stable man. A blessed man will be a stable man. He will have a root system that reaches down deep and holds on in the midst of trouble. That is God's will for your life. Now, I want to just linger on that for a second and let you get that down into your spirit, down into your heart. This is God's will for my life to be stable, to be grounded, to have roots. Now just let that sink in. I know some of you are having trouble with that. You know it's God's will for your life to go to be to be saved. You know it's God's will for your life to, to uh, come to church, but you're not so sure it's God's will for your life to be blessed. But I want you to know that it is God's will for your life that you should be blessed. And if you have a stable life, you will have the blessing of God upon your life. The church is a place for you and I to get grounded. It is a place where God wants us to grow roots and to grow them deep. Because storms do come, don't they? You, being a Christian doesn't mean you'll never have a storm. Being a Christian doesn't mean crisis will never come into your life. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you'll always have sunny days. In fact, being a Christian means sometimes you will be in a storm. Sometimes you will go through a crisis. The Bible says that the uh, the children of Israel, the uh, disciples were in the boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea, and it was in the middle of the darkness, and then they were in the middle of a storm. Has that ever happened to you? All the wrong combinations right at the same time. The middle of the night, the middle of the dark, the middle of a storm, the middle of the sea, and they were panicking for their lives. Have you ever panicked before? You guys are cool, you don't panic. But I know some people panic, and these guys panic. Who wouldn't they? They began to question whether God loved them or liked them at all. They said, Lord, don't you even care that we're perishing? What a jump to conclusions. Right there in the middle of the storm and they're saying, God doesn't even care. Has that ever happened to you before? And they began to question God and, and Jesus was in the boat with them. They didn't realize that Jesus was in the boat with them and that he is the foundation and the stabilizer of the world. And so they didn't realize that while they were in the middle of instability, that stability was in the boat. Stability itself was in the boat. And I want to tell you, friend, don't matter what your life goes through, if Jesus is in your life, stability is in the boat and you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay because he can rise up and say to that storm, peace, be still. Even the wind and the seas will obey Him. And so this morning I want us to reflect on the fact, first of all, that Christ is the foundation of the church. He is the stable place. In order for you and I to have a stability in our lives, we must have a foundation. We must have a strong foundation. The, the foundation Of a house is the first thing that's built. You don't build a house with the roof first. You build a house with the foundation first. And the foundation will tell you your future. If I look at your spiritual foundation, friend, I'll tell you what your future is going to be like. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, when you look at a foundation, you can know this is going to be a small house or a big house. You look at a foundation and you see how deep it goes, you can say this is going to be a tall building. When you look at a foundation, you can say this is going to be a church. This is going to be an office building. This is going to be a nursery. The foundation will tell you a lot about the future of that building. And friend, the foundation that you and I have will tell us a lot about where we're going in this life. If you want to predict your children's future, build the foundation that you want them to build upon in their lives. You want to predict the future of this church? Look at our spiritual foundation. And you see, friends, Christ is the foundation. He is the essential building block of the world. The Bible says that because of him all things came into existence. He is the very first of all things. He was the creator of all things. And so he is the foundation stone. The Bible says that Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected. But he has become the chief cornerstone. The Apostle Paul said that he is the foundation other than which no other foundation can be laid. When you have Christ, you have the stability of your life. You'll never know stability in your spirit until you know Jesus Christ. Are you listening, church? You can can search the world over. There is no peace outside of Christ. There is no stability outside of Christ. And when you are in Christ, when you go through some storms you will find that if he's with you, you're going to have the tranquility of peace even in the midst of the most difficult situations. He is the foundation because He was the first and before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. He is the very author of wisdom and the author of the laws of nature. You know that gravity thing that Newton told us about? guess what? Jesus invented gravity. In fact, the, gra- the, 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 the gravitational pull of the earth only exists because Jesus is holding things together. You see, when when something falls on the ground, it's a, it's a witness that there is somebody pulling the whole world together, and that is Jesus Christ. In Him, the Bible says, all things hold together. All things consist in Him. He is the plumb line of the architect. He is the le- For the carpenter, he is the very essential element of all of natural society. And friends, when you get Christ out, you leave out stability. That's America's problem right now. We have left Christ out. We left them out of school, and now we can't figure out why our schools are falling apart. We left them out of government, and now we can't figure out why government's falling apart. Friend, when you leave out the cornerstone, the whole building begins to collapse and crumble. But when Jesus is the foundation of your life, there's stability there. Jesus is the peg in the firm place, He is the peace of God in the midst of your storm now Jesus talked about another foundation and he said that there was two men who built a house both of these men built a house and both of them had uh, what would appear to be oceanfront property and they were living it up and then the the day came when a storm showed up and both of these houses came under severe stress and pressure they came under the severe test of a storm And when that storm was raging, one of those houses fell down flat to the ground. The other house withstood the storm. And Jesus said this. He said, this is the difference. The house that fell down flat was built upon the sand. It was built without a foundation. But the house that withstood the storm was able to endure the storm and survive the storm because it was built upon the rock. Now, Jesus wasn't merely saying that he himself was the rock, which, of course, is true. But this is what he said. He said, if you hear my voice and do what I say, you will be like the man who built his house upon the rock. You follow that? He said, if you hear my voice and obey, then your life will be on a firm foundation. So you see, he was letting us understand that not only is he the foundation, but our obedience to him is one of the building blocks of stability in our lives. How many of you have a capacity to follow instructions? All right, we're working on that around here, aren't we? Because if you can't follow instructions, you won't find stability in your life. If you want to have stability, you need to learn to obey God. To hear his voice. You say, preacher, I'm not a Bible scholar. I can't hear God's voice. The Bible said, Jesus speaking, my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. And so if you are a saved, born again member of the body of Christ, guess what? You can hear God's voice. And if you will hear it and obey it, then you will find stability in your life. You ever said to yourself, "Uh, go back and make sure the stove is turned off. And you wonder, you go back and the stove's actually on. And you wonder, how did I know that? God was speaking. Ever said to yourself, I just knew it. Something told me. That's not one of the names of God in the Bible, but some Bible scholars have said that something is one of the names we give to God. Something told me. It wasn't something, it was God speaking. And when you learn to obey, when you learn to trust Him and to do it His way, blessing comes into your life. Stability comes into your life. As I've said before, being a Christian doesn't mean everything is going to be swell all the time, but it means that even in the midst of storm, you're going to have the peace of knowing that God is with you and that you have done the will of God. So build an altar and then build a foundation. And today I want to really challenge you about what kind of foundation do you have in your life. Now I've given you two already. I've given you Christ the foundation. How many of you have Christ? And I have given you obedience as a foundation. How many of you are obedient? All right. Now I want to give you the third foundation here. We find it in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14 through 15. It says, this is how I've told you these things so that you would know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and support of the truth. Here is foundation number three. The church of the living God is a pillar of support. It is a foundation. If you and I want to have stability in our lives, we need a local church. Say that with me. I need... A local church. Now listen to what Paul says to Timothy here. He says, The church of the living God, that's not a building, but it's a people. It's a body. Is the pillar and support of the truth. There is a foundation upon which God has established that He will bring truth to the world. And guess what that foundation is? It's the church. How is God going to bring truth to the world? He has not entrusted truth to politicians. If he had, there'd be no more truth in the world. God has not entrusted truth to our educators. Although Harvard and Yale began as seminaries and they proclaimed truth over the door of Harvard, one of the original buildings, it says, you shall know the truth. Quoting Jesus. Imagine that, Harvard quoting Jesus. But God has entrusted the truth to the church. He has given you and me the responsibility of carrying truth to the world. This is the foundation that God has built for you and I to sit upon. He has given us Christ upon which the church is built. He has given us an obedience of spirit upon which you and I can experience his blessing. And he has given us an invitation and an opportunity to be a part of the household of God we have been invited into the family of God so today what we're going to talk about is a little bit more of practical theology than maybe you are used to all right this is not going to be a shout and say hallelujah message probably this is going to be a practical message and so there is only one thing that you're going to have to do at the end of this message you're going to have to decide whether you want to obey what God's word says or disregard what God's word says somebody say amen so, if you and I want to have stability, we need Christ. We want to have stability, we need to be obedient. And if we want to have stability, we need a local church. Now, friend, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right. Now, Pastor Isaac's about to meddle in your life, so just, just bear with me for a little bit. I'm glad in a moment like this we don't have hymnals because some of you would be ready to throw them at me if, uh, if you had a chance. But I just I want to meddle a little bit because the Bible tells us here that we should not forsake the assembling together of ourselves with other believers that we should not forsake the assembling together of the body of Christ Jesus in Luke chapter 4 the Bible says that on the last day of the week on the Sabbath he went to the synagogue as was his custom Jesus had a custom his custom was to go to the synagogue and be in the assembly of the household of God is that your custom? Let's try it again. Is that your custom? Yes. Alright, this is, this is a foundation stone for your life. Make it your custom to be in the assembly of the household of God. He says it's the habit of some to disregard the household of God. To walk away and not, not return to church on a regular basis. Now the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, and pardon in Acts chapter 2 that the early church continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and the breaking of bread. Listen to that word. They continually devoted themselves. Do you have a continual devotion? Do you have a continual devotion to the house of God? Do you have a continual devotion to the study of the scriptures, to being taught the word of God? They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to the Lord's Supper. This was a a church, the very first church, that had right at its core a fundamental understanding that they needed a foundation. They needed one another in order to be able to stimulate one another to love and good works. He says, but some have a habit of disregarding church attendance. They have a habit of disregarding the household of God. Is it all right if we talk about this? I know some of you seem a little nervous right now, but we're going to make it through this, all right? I promise you, you're going to survive this sermon. But just for a moment, I need you to realize what's going on in America. Do you know that statistics tell us that regular attendance in the church today is twice a month? That's what Americans consider regular attendance. Twice every 30 days. Can you imagine? I can't imagine that. You know, one, I'll tell you a story. One, one day... I was called to be the pastor of a church. And the Sunday before I came to pastor this church, I said goodbye to my old church. I spent a week without a church. It was scary stuff. I don't know. I felt so alone. I knew my old church said goodbye. And I didn't know if the new church would say Hello. And I was alone. I felt like, what is going on? And you know, there are many people who live in that every day of their life. They have no connection to a body. No connection to somebody that can stimulate them to love and to good works. And friend, when you're in that situation, you're in a dangerous place. That is the recipe for instability in your life. Regular attendance in America is twice a week. You think God's speaking more than that? How many of you would go twice a week, twice a month and eat only twice a month? Why are you laughing? Some people only feed their spirit twice a month. And then we wonder, why is our country falling apart? Why are things coming apart at the seams? Why is it that you and I see around us a world in in chaos and in instability, friend? We have abandoned The foundational stones that God has given to us. That's why the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, as is the habit of some, but do what? Encourage one another encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near what does that mean the more you see signs and prophetic fulfillments you need to run to the house of god the more that you and i see that things are winding down we need to run to the house of god there should be an urgency in our heart to be among the household of faith among the household of believers and friend i want to go through some some points here that are very important for us to note as to the importance of the local church. There are some things you can't get anywhere else but at church. Somebody say amen. amen. Because God designs it a certain way. The first institution God built was the family. The second institution he built was the church. The third institution was government. So you and I have to decide, do I want to live in God's pattern? And if I live in God's pattern, then I function as a part and a member of the institution that he built called the church. Because there are some things you can't get outside of the church. The gospel has been entrusted to the church. It's been entrusted to you and I. Now I want you to just note some things with me. That in the New Testament, churches were local. You'll read all throughout the New Testament, the church at Rome, the church at Corinth, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Philadelphia, the church at Laodicea, the church at Colossae, and so on and so forth, the church at Beville. You see, you and I must, must understand in the New Testament, the church was a local body of believers. Some people think, well, I'll just stay at home and watch Jimmy Swagger and John Hagee and I will be at church. Friend, there is a local body that God intends for you to be a part of. He intends for you to be plugged into so that you can be stimulated to growth in your spiritual life. The local church is God's tool for fulfilling the Great Commission. Think about that. Who did He entrust the Great Commission to? He didn't entrust it to the Republicans. Or the Democrats. He didn't entrust it to the colleges and the universities. He entrusted the great commission. The bringing of souls to the kingdom of God. To the local church. To the body of Christ. And so if you want to be a part of the mission of God. You need to be a part of the local church. Because he said go into all the world and make disciples, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded them. He is in- instructing us there to be a part of that body that He has given the responsibility of preaching the gospel to in all the world. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen, upon this rock, I will build my church. Think about that. Jesus didn't say he would build a social club, a country club. He didn't say he would build an organization. He didn't say he would build a a university. He said, I will build my church. What is God building in the world today? He's building the church. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in the world, you need to be a part of a local church. Are you listening to me? Everything God's going to do in the world today, he's doing through church you think God's gonna bring revival to America through our politicians come on you know the answer to that question you think Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are gonna bring revival to America doubt it where's it coming from it's gonna come through the body of believers fervently seeking the face of God, building an altar before Almighty God. And that's where it's going to happen. It's going to happen when the church begins to pray. We are the agent through which God is working in the world today. I'm so glad to be a part of the church. I'm so glad to be a member of the household of God and the household of faith. Is there anybody in here that's glad to be a part of that, to be a part of what God is doing? In the world, the church is part of a, a body, an organism that God created and that Jesus Christ is building. We see also that God's people are repeatedly called to a specific place, to a specific location. Nehemiah 1, verse 8 and 9 says, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place which I have chosen. There is a specific place that God always draws his people to. Some of you have been drawn to this place. And you belong here. And you're a part of this household of faith. Because this is the place God has drawn you to. And friends, let me tell you something. If I plant a a tomato plant tomorrow and I put it in a certain place... And then next week I decide, you know what, that's not a good place for that. I'm going to uproot those tomato plants and I'm going to move it over here to the other side of the yard. And then two weeks later I decide, you know, that's not such a good place either. And I uproot those tomatoes and I move them over here to this other part of the yard. And I do that all season long. When will that plant ever give me tomatoes? Never. You guys are good gardeners. Why won't it give me tomatoes? Because it's not developing a root system. There is a place where you need to get rooted, planted. It may not be this church, but you need to find the church where it is. And if it is this church, then get rooted, get grounded. Get that place where you are able to grow and develop and strengthen your faith and be able to hear what God is saying to the church I don't know about many, uh, all pastors, but I know about this one, that I spend my week before God on my face saying, God, give me a word that is for your people at Kingsway Church. I don't think God's going to give me a word for the people down the street. He's going to give me a word for this place and this house and your family and your life and what's going on with you. And so if God is doing that, you and I should decide, I want to hear what God has to say. Now, I know sometimes my sermons are steak and potatoes, right? And you just cut in and eat. And in some days, it's just crackers and butter, right? But whatever it is, if you will eat it, it's for you. And those morsels of God's provision of, uh, for your life are being given in this place. They're being given in this place at this time because it's, it's the place God has chosen, Psalm 26, verse 8, O Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You know what's a good church? A a good church is a church where God is present if God's not present there it's not really a church don't matter if it has the tallest steeple in town if God isn't there there's nothing going on there but it can be a church with no steeple at all and yet if God is there it's church if God is there there is glory in that place guess what Kingsway God is here he has manifested his glory to us he has manifested his presence to us I love the place where God's glory dwells. Sometimes I'll just get up in the middle of the night and since I don't live so far from here, I'll just walk over in here in the darkness and I will lay flat on this altar and just pray for you all. He say, Pastor, would you do that? It sounds a little creepy when, when you come in here and there's not a soul in here but me and God. But you know what? I love the place of His glory. I love the place where He is present. I love to be in that place where my soul is stirred to fear Him. And to love Him and to acknowledge Him. Psalm 84 verse 1. How lovely are your dwelling places. Oh, I love it when we sing it. How lovely are your dwelling places, oh God. There is no place like the dwelling place of God. Give me a place where God is and I'll be happy and I'll be stable and I'll be blessed. Somebody give God praise in this house. All right. Another reason you need the local church. Is because there are some instructions you cannot obey or follow unless you're in a local church. Listen to what Hebrews 13 17 says. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. How are you going to obey a leader if you don't have a church? How are you going to submit? the eldership if you don't have a church you know I went to a funeral a little old lady passed away and when I got there there were seven other pastors she had been in every church in town and none of us knew who she was so we all showed up and we all kind of looked at each other like we knew that she was a church hopper she just went all over the place never had any tomatoes but she was everywhere And when she died, nobody knew whose little lamb she was. Isn't that sad? I think that's sad. How are you going to submit in a place so you don't belong, where you're not a part of what God is doing there? Who's keeping watch over your soul? Some people are loyal to TV preacher, but that guy's not keeping watch over your soul. Who's praying for you? Who's noticing when you're not coming to worship? Who's caring for your soul? I know sometimes I make you nervous when I give you a phone call and say, hey, what's going on? I, one day I called, I called a brother. I said, hello, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine, Pastor. I'll be there Wednesday. I, said, I just said, hello. I'll be there Wednesday. Who's watching over you? Who's keeping watch over your soul? That's why it's important to be a a member of the body. So that I know and the elders know this one belongs here. They're planted here. We're going to water this plant. We're going to make sure that it's cultivating the soil of faith. And friends, when you and I Make a commitment to a local church. We make a commitment to an accountability of God's eldership over our life. You see, pastors and elders were put in the church in order, in order to oversee the flock of God. I don't know about you, but I thank God for spiritual covering. I thank God that we're just not lone rangers in the world going back and forth to and fro. That there is, there is under Christ, there is an umbrella of men and women that God has set up to watch over our hearts, over our soul to preach to preach to us and teach us the word of God. I'm your pastor and yet I have a pastor. I'm your pastor and I have someone overseeing me. Be very careful if you have a pastor who has no submission, no one to submit to, no one to answer to. No one to, to give a report to. Friend, I give a, I'm an amount, a man who is accountable to God and to other men because I know the importance of being part of a body. Being part of that which God has established in the world. You and I at Kingsway, we have elders. We have men and women of God who, who fearfully, tremblingly pray and seek the Lord. And as we do that, we, we watch over you. We make sure that those people who stand in this pulpit are honorable and decent and that they are good and that everything that's going to be said back here is going to be honoring to God and stimulating to the body of Christ. I'm very jealous of this pulpit. I'm jealous of who stands behind it because I am jealous for you I'm jealous for your souls that that which you be fed be nothing but the word of the, word of the living God that it be the rich word of the living God and you can't have that covering if you're not part of a local church finally Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 this, mess, this passage doesn't specifically relate It relates to husbands and wives, but listen to what it says. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know, Jesus loves the church. And if Jesus loves the church, I want to love what he loves. Jesus loves the church. He loved it so much, he gave himself for her. I love this church. I said, I love this church. We're not a perfect church. You can say amen. Amen. We're not the worst church either, though. Say amen. Amen. I love what God is doing in this church. And if I wasn't the pastor of this church, I'd become a member here. Because God is here. Amen. And I see it in your unity. I see it in the communion of the, of the saints. I see it in the sweet presence of God that fills this house when we come into worship. But I also see many of you who aren't benefiting fully from what God is doing here. I'm watching some of you grow by leaps and bounds. Because you're here on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday night for Bible study. And some of you then go to a small group on top of that. But I'm watching others of you, same soil, no fruit. Because you're not grounded. And my desire for you is that you be grounded, that you have stability in your life. That you have a place where you can grow. And that that determination becomes a part of you. You could be a member of this church and not be grounded. Because being grounded is a decision on a weekly basis to to be where God is, to to hear God's voice. And I know God can meet you at home. I know all those things. I'm not going to argue that with you. I'm telling you that this is a specific and special place where God has desired for us to come together. And in the communion of the saints... To experience his presence and his joy, and it's a foundation that will bring stability into your life. If you're raising children, you cannot afford to be irregular at church. This generation that we are seeing raised up today is in desperate need of the church. Listen, statistics tell us that this, this generation, the millennials, four in a hundred will attend church as adults. Four out of a hundred. I, I just came in on the tail end of the generation X. Our generation was 30 out of a hundred. And generation X has, has raised a generation, four out of a hundred will come to church. That means that in one more generation, Christianity in America will be a thing of the past. It's already debatable whether we are a Christian nation or not. We have forsaken the foundation. Christ and His church. But you and I can be what turns around a city. That is ultimately what you and I are called to do in the city of Beville. To turn this thing around. We may not be able to save America, but let's save Beville. You may not be able to save Beville, but save your neighborhood. Be a light, be be a a, a pillar of truth in that place where you are. Let this church have a foundation that is on Christ and a strong one. The Bible says that when the foundation was laid in the days of Ezra, that the, the young began to rejoice. There was joy in the hearts of the young because they saw a future. They saw a future. Your foundation will determine your future. And when those young men and women saw that foundation, they said, oh, we have a spiritual future. Friends, you and I must build a foundation so that the generations that come behind uh, behind us, if Jesus tarries, can know that there is a future and a hope in God, that there is a plan and a purpose. I don't know what you see, but when I see Kingsway Church, I see a foundation. I see growth and vision. I see schools and, and universities being raised up from this house to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ I see a great foundation hallelujah I see a launching pad for the sending of missionaries to the nations God has spoken to my heart He said Isaac Kingsway Church will be like an aircraft carrier from which I will send many vessels of mercy to the nations of the world hallelujah And the old men, when they saw that foundation, they began to weep. They had seen the former glory of the house. And they realized that God in His faithfulness had not allowed their faith to fall to the ground. But that He had raised up another generation. A generation that was just as determined to see that foundation endure. And friends, you and I have both generations in this house. Some of you saw the former glory of this church. Some of you have been a part of its long and storied history. 80 years proclaiming Christ. You have seen with tears the way God has brought it through. And some of you have just arrived and you look at the future and you say, oh, what God may do here. And friends, the weeping and the laughter that I told you about, that's what we last week, this is what we see in Ezra. The weeping and the laughing of those generations, some that see the future and say, praise God. Some that see the past and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, our enemies would have risen up against us and swallowed us up whole. But God has been faithful to us. God has been faithful to us. Yes. There are churches, too that I can think of right now. Strong churches came into this city. And in the lifetime of Kingsway Church, they opened and shut their doors. But we're still here. I heard somebody uh, criticizing First Baptist the other day. I said, you know what? They have been here more than 100 years. Through thick and thin. We're their little sister, 80 years. And it's easy for some startup to come into town and just put up a big building and say, whoa, look at us. And there's no foundation and it's gone in a minute. But God has given us stability. I remember when we remodeled the sanctuary, I was sitting in here alone. I love to sit in here alone. Not that I don't enjoy sitting here with you, but I do love sitting here alone. And they had just put in the carpet. It had a new carpet smell, so they tell me. And I saw the first people walked in were Elder Martinez and Sister Irene. And I saw the expression on their face. And I saw Elder Martinez tear up as they saw what God had done in the remodeling of this sanctuary. That's the same thing that's happening here in the book of Ezra. That old generation looked and said, look what God has done. God has been good to us. God has been faithful. But guess what? Now it's our turn. We must make sure that there is a strong foundation for the future. A strong place upon which to build for many generations to come. I may not see all that God has planned and neither may you. But let's make sure there's something here. It's more than we found when we got here. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this place. I want to be a part of this foundation which God has built as a pillar of truth. A church can't save you, but it's good soil in which to grow. If you want to be a fruitful Christian, You need a local church. i give you this assurance. By the grace of God in my life, I'll never preach another foundation but Christ. If Jesus lets me be here as long as Pastor Ramos, I'll preach Christ every time. If he only lets me be here as long as Pastor Jesse, I'll preach Christ. That is the foundation we preach.